Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Today's episode features Seabass. This was originally recorded on Wednesday afternoon and we'll air it on Friday. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt's baseball series with Georgia is underway. Commodores drop a 14-2 game to Georgia on Thursday night. Kumar Rocker gave up a season-high six runs and a career-high three home runs. Georgia hit seven home runs in the game. Games two and three will be on Friday and Saturday. Seabass appears on the guest line that is presented by our friends at Bowling Branch, Scott and Missy Tannen. You've heard me rave about Bowling Branch sheets for years. Try them for yourself. You can get them risk-free for 30 days. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY. Get $50 off your first set of sheets. These sheets are rain-fed. They are 100% organic cotton. They get softer with each washing. You will see why I have said for years that there's a huge difference between bowl and branch sheets and the others. Sleep on them and then go sleep on other sheets. You'll see what I mean. Anyway, try bowl and branch sheets and you can thank me for that later. Seabass joins us from WNWS. He is taking time out of his grieving schedule over Fernando Tatis Jr. to join us on the podcast. Thank you for that, my man. Good to have you back. Wow, thank you for leading with that. You're welcome. Uh, That's so what I, friends do. We we boost each other up. Oh, yeah, man. I'm, I appreciate every bit of that. Yeah, man, I I don't know. Man, I keep seeing all kinds of different reports. Uh, I know he had a subluxation in his left shoulder. I've had the exact same injury twice, once in high school, once in college. It hurts like crap. I didn't have surgery either time. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm hearing 10 day IL. We'll see after that. I'm hearing a month. I'm hearing potential season ending. I'm hearing play through, play the string out and have uh, surgery in the in the off season. The only thing for sure is this is a massive blow to this team. But you know, it's like I told Chris before that we started doing the, the uh, podcast today. This ain't even about the Padres. It's me. I did this to Fernando. I am the Janks. I had the nerve to be excited about my boys for baseball season. And, you know, I don't know, Fade just said, hey, check this out. Hold, what do they say these days? Hold my beer? Is that what they say? You uh, joined this podcast with me when we started right away in 2015, didn't you? Oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we can make some inferences from that to this beat, can't we? Yeah. I mean, I mean if I'm... you if you admit the Padres are your fault, then this has got to be your fault, too. Oh, yeah. And if it's bad, it's my fault. Hey, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> there's a comment there, but I'll, <laughs> I'll let it go. Well, I mean, the cloud does seem to be lifting a little bit around Vanderbilt. A little, a little bit. At least around the West End, for sure. I mean, you, you're actually feeling positive, sir? I mean, is it? Well, look, optimism here, here's, here's the thing, okay? They broke this themselves. I don't know how much credit you get for you know, putting a fire extinguisher to, to your dumpster fire and, and then 
cleaning up the, the pieces. But I will say this, the difference is the chancellor. And I just think that, and, and this has been, you, you know how I work. I talk to people who have conversations. I have a lot of sources from a lot of different places. The one thing that has been consistent about Vanderbilt ever since this guy took the job and before he took the job was that he was serious about fixing sports, and that never wavered. And that never wavered for an instance. Now, I think on this beat, you have to adopt the stance, I will believe it when I see it. Because we didn't know him. We, we didn't know where his bread is buttered, anything. But everything has followed suit since then. They, they have taken, I think, about as many steps as you could have ever realistically expected to clean up football. And I think the priority registration and that stuff that's something that I hope they will get on immediately because everybody knows that's an issue. And that's it is an easy win in terms of dollars. It costs you nothing. So there's that, that there are some things that need to be addressed that, that I would say they need to address. But they have gotten rid of a football staff that was in over its head. And now they took the step to remove a cancer from their athletic program yesterday. I think I've said that before. I don't think that's at all unfair I think Stephanie White was a disaster almost from the minute she got here. I think for a long time they wanted to take the out that she had another year on a contract and just let it play out. I think it got so bad. I, I mean, I guess you always have a choice, but it seems that they felt like they they didn't have a choice or, or something happened that somebody was willing to pay the buyout or whatever that looked like. In any case, uh, my goodness, I mean, look what has changed just in the last – Five, six months, they've, they've fired a football coach. They've fired a basketball coach. They've committed a very large number to facilities. And, I mean, goodness gracious, that, that's a list of stuff. That, that's more things, that's more steps in the right direction than the previous five or six years combined in all their programs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, no question. And, you know, look. This is this is about the chancellor. I mean, I, I think it, it it appears that way to me. I mean, let's just tell the truth. Uh, you can go back to your board or really any Vanderbilt fan and, and say those firings they were absolutely the two most necessary, but also deemed by many of us to be ones that they would never make. That they just hands were tied, couldn't make. And he did it in the first year he was there. So it, it, between yeah. that, the $300 million deal, uh, you know, as far as, as the restructuring, if you will, if I'm a Vanderbilt fan and, and look, we are skeptics by nature, we have no choice to be, you have to give it. You, you know, if we're going to wallow in the mire, if we're going to point out everything negatively and wrong that this is, that this school has done when it comes to athletics, uh, we'd be here all day long, but you cannot debate that Daniel Deermeyer is 100% serious about making athletics a functional part of this university, period. No, that's not up for debate. Now, I think the bad news is it's going to take a long time, I think, to get them back to respectability in all those programs. I mean, we've had the football conversation. Who knows? The, the women's basketball program, and that's where they messed up. They let this go right. on too long well, to where they lost. And I don't follow that sport a lot, but they lost a 20-point and 15-point a game score. They are now in other schools. And 
you know, if you just done what you should have done, which I said you should have done it in January, then maybe you bring the next guy something to build with. And, and I think that probably has to hurt them a little bit. I mean, I wonder if you're a very successful coach who I know they can get under normal conditions, but are you out there going, hey, they, they've given this roster, not not the death penalty because I think they've got some good recruits lined up, I mean, for, for what people who follow that say, but you're not going to win with freshmen in the SEC, right? So it's a longer rebuild than it normally would be, I would think. And I think men's basketball, we've we've talked about that. But to that, I would say, I've heard the chancellor's not very pleased with the direction of that program. I think that a message has been sent, and I think we now know the chancellor's not going to play around. I don't think they're going to let their program sit in purgatory for years anymore, like like they've done basically the whole time we've had this podcast. Yeah, I mean, look. Bottom line is the 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 the, the watchword here is accountability. You know, we. I think he's. I think what he's trying to say to these 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 coaches and these programs saying, look, we are willing to help you, give you what you need. We're, you know, and uh, we understand what you're up against, and we understand there's some differences. We get that, but we also are committed to winning. And we need to see the same thing from you. And if we don't, well, then, you know, you're not going to be here and we'll find somebody that will. But just know that if you are, we're, you know, you won't have to fight us the way that you've always had to do. It won't be just you against the other third. You know, it's always for these other teams, it's always just them against the other 13. For you, it's always been the other 13 and the school itself. Those days, at least under Daniel Deermeyer, are over with, apparently. Which is huge because you're right. It doesn't mean that they're going to fall right into this and that. But you know, and, and look, it you have to crawl before you walk. And I would just remind you uh, that remember the Wake Forest game before Franklin got there and what you saw. And if I could have told you what was on the horizon, you you couldn't have you couldn't have believed it. If you if I had if I had every intricate detail and I had video proof, you still wouldn't have believed it. But now imagine that possibility. And I'm not saying Clark Lee's James Franklin, I don't know if that's true or not. But now imagine what happens when you have the full backing of the university to go along with hopefully a a, a very good football coach and staff. Yeah, and they've never had the full backing of never the university. Had never had I, I will say this, a lot of I have a pretty good set of booster connections these days, which, look, I've been on this beat 18 years. I, I should. If I'm not, I'm not doing my job. So I don't say that to brag. It just is at this point. But I've never seen the excitement that I get when I get the texts and, and the phone calls and all those things. Those people I talk to have, have really bought in from the chancellor from day one, have claimed consistently it's a new day. And, and again, I'm open to hearing that. But you know by now I'm a show me guy, and, and they're they're showing you now. And I, I think that it's a shame that they let it crumble to this point, because again, I, I just think the rebuilds are longer for that reason. But I think two, three years from now, the, the tide's going to start to turn a little bit. And if you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, which I think you can at this point, uh, that becomes much easier to get through. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I mean, like I say, I, I, hopefully these coaches uh, are looking at it as a as a blank canvas. You know, brand new, fresh opportunity. And, and you know, I think we'll talk a little bit about stacking some potential new hires here. You know, I mean, again, 
it's got to feel good to have the backing of the university, whether they should have had of, of all the should have had that all at the time. Of course, we know that's true, but at this point, that doesn't matter anymore. I mean, well, we 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 don't have time machine and we can't undo it. You got to go from here. You can't sit back and say, well, man, it's always you know we've never had you know yeah that's true. Everybody knows it, but you know what? You knew that before you signed up, and but now. Like I said, you've got the full, the, the, I say the full backing, uh, apparent full backing of the university. So, you know, no more excuses. And I'm not, and then we know, look, look, it, it, we understand if it takes time, if it takes time a little bit. I don't think that's what Daniel Deermeyer, like even with Coach Stackhouse is looking at. But when it comes to like the, the decisions that were made for like, you know, uh, Derek, Derek Mason and, and Stephanie White, there's plenty of ample opportunity to view the evidence. They weren't trending in the right direction. They weren't going to magically flick a switch and, and all that was going to be undone. They were, those were sinking ships, you know, that they just were. So stack, I, I mean, I don't know that stack is in that situation. Now roster wise could be interesting, especially if Scotty leaves and we'll see what DeSue and Max L. Evans are gone. We've had several people transfer. We're, we're going to be counting on a lot of people that we've never ever, ever counted on before. And a lot of them weren't even on this roster uh, this, this season that we'll be counting on probably heavily next year. So, I, I mean, it's, it, look, Jerry Stackhouse doesn't have to make the NCAA tournament next year. But it has to look something a little bit better than the last two years have. Can't wait till the final week of the season to start winning some SEC games. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I think the difference between this chancellor and the previous ones, and this is the thing that always annoyed me, they always made excuses for the coaches. Well, more time or this or this person needs to get their assistance or this person needs more support from the school. And those things are always true. But Deermeyer walked in and sized it all up pretty quickly and said, and you remember, you remember this, I posted on the board in October that the chancellor was pretty alarmed with football. And and this was what, six weeks before it it all went down. And I said, I'm here and they're probably going to be moving on at least felt strongly that they would be. I don't remember how I phrased it at the time. So, you know, if you're going to go back and look me up and hold me to it, I'll couch it a little bit. But the vibe I got was they're going to move on from him. That's one thing that's great is you've got a guy that comes in and sizes it up. And what differentiates him is other people looked around and said, yeah, well, this person doesn't have this and doesn't have that, and therefore we can't make the change. Deermeyer is able to walk in and say, no, this just isn't the guy. I don't care what he has or doesn't have. He's not the guy. And I think that is really what's – always held them back is they always fall back on themselves as an excuse as an excuse and for once they didn't do that and i have decided to do something chris it's fairly easy for me to do uh i'm not talking about forgetting because i haven't forgotten uh but i've made the decision that okay uh i'm going to be all in on on athletic directors story lee okay uh i don't for look i am not forgetting the fact that you know even though some great things have happened that there of course i'm not privy to everything but there are things that i know and that you certainly know and that you know i'm not going to forget about and so i know the possibility there exists but here's what i've decided if she's in then she's in you know if if, if she's all in then great you know we'll go from here and all in 
you're all in athletic because you've made that commitment. You've made it publicly. So you know what? I'm willing to start from right here and be glad because at the end of the day, Vanderbilt's success, you know, is success for all of us. So, you know, however, whoever is responsible for that, I mean, she's out there working now. So I, you know, I haven't forgotten some of those things, but as far as I'm concerned, on April the 7th, 2021, she's my athletic director, and unless she going forward gives me a reason not to believe that she is not all in and not supporting, then I'm, then I'm going to support her all the way. She is going to be who she needs to be, depending on who our boss is. And so I think for that reason, given who her boss is and the statements he's made, that's what you're going to get. Hey, I know we're going to talk football in the mailbag some I think you have some baseball thoughts did you want to get to those before we go to the mailbag uh was it the question that I asked you about if you, know, if you had one pitcher or that, that he's the very best pitcher that this program's ever had well that was part of it but we were watching uh I've, I've got two tvs set up in my bonus room now um much to the light oh. of my son much to the chagrin of my wife uh, I don't think I'll win that battle much longer but we were watching lighter pitch, and I think we were watching the Braves on something. I think I turned later because I've got MLB package. I was flipping around. But we happened to talk, and you were watching the Padres and Vanderbilt flipping back and forth. And Blake Snell was pitching oh, for the Padres. Yeah. And you made a – I thought this was a fantastic comment. You said, if Blake Snell is pitching right now for Vanderbilt – is he going to do any better than Jack Leiter is doing? And I thought, man, that what a way to look at things. <laughs> and I think my answer is no. That was my question because I was literally going back and forth and watching both of these guys at the same time and watching them work. And I said, and I told Chris, I said, look, I don't want to get overhyped here because you know, you know, you get caught up in the moment of big games and and, and with great performances and all this other stuff. I don't want to do all that. But I got to looking at this thing and okay, so he was at the point where he hadn't given up. Uh, hit, well, I, I don't know, 19 innings or something like that. And my whole point was, I, I felt like, and again, trust, trust me, I understand what I'm saying here. Before you think, God, what a ridiculous statement. I said, but Jack Leiter, the way he's pitching at this very moment is not just a major league baseball player. He's a major league all-star. And the reason that I said that is because of the preface from what exactly what I said. Like, how could you take, I mean, name anybody, name any pitcher in Major League Baseball that you want to, even the best of the best. Bring them in there. You know, you throw in there, you can throw in Flair. You take J- Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom can't do any better. I mean, you know, you're going up on 20 innings and nobody's hitting the ball, the ball whatsoever. You're not putting anybody on base. You're striking pretty much everybody out. Everybody is completely fooled every time they come to the plate. Well, if, if Jacob DeGrom does the same exact thing, is he really doing any better than what this cat's doing? I mean, he's what he's doing is, you know, he's got the stuff, duh. We, we, I mean, we, we can certainly see that. But you know what he's got, Chris, so much more than the stuff. He's got la cabeza. He's got the head game, man. I'm telling you right now, this dude right here is in these hitters' heads. It's it's like, you know, they are literally up there guessing. You know, and we've seen guys not only come through Vanderbilt, but all all the programs that we play, all the and how many guys have completely not just had the stuff 
you know, one or the other, or, you know, maybe they don't have quite the stuff, but he, you know, manages such a good game and he, and he, and he paints corners and keeps people guessing. This guy has a plus stuff and he's got the head game. I don't know what you do with Jack Leiter, man. He's, he's just, I mean, if he's pitching, you're going to win. You know, if you get him two runs, you're good. You're probably good. Now, not always, and I understand that, but, I mean, he is, he's, he, he's just a, a monster. And the stuff, and then we're not talking about a 6'5", 230-pound guy. What is his measurements, Chris? What would, you, what would you say that Jack, is he about 6'1"? Oh, maybe, I don't have it in front of me, maybe 6'1", 190. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking six five. This isn't Randy Johnson up there, you know. This is, you know, it's not Chris Young. I mean, this dude is. I mean, he generates some thump. But I love this guy, and I just love to watch him. And I was sitting that's the whole time. I couldn't stop but thinking, you know, if Blake Snell was here in Baton Rouge, he he's not going to do any better, you know, or wherever they were uh, in the in that game. I, mean, I think I think it was against LSU. Yeah, it was LSU, right? Because he didn't give up a hit to what, like the fifth inning or something. Yeah. Then, Gave up one or so. Uh, yeah, and I was just like, how could Blake Snell come down here and do any better? And the answer is he could. You know, and now that doesn't guarantee a thing about what he's going to do or if he's going to be fast-tracked or whatever. But, you know, I mean, the guy, <laughs> the stuff that I saw, yeah, he's got to, you know, pay a little bit of dues. But, I mean, that's that's not a – I wonder if this guy's got top-of-the-rotation stuff. That's a, that's a true bona fide one. I mean, think about this. Walker Bueller is a true bona fide one. Nobody would argue that. You've seen every good pitcher that's come through Vanderbilt. At this point in their career, Bueller versus Leiter, who you have in that appeal to? Leiter. I mean, the answer to any question is Leiter. I don't care if it's Vanderbilt, LSU, any team I've seen, any player, the answer is Jack Leiter. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by Jody Jones DDS. Jody is trusted for his creative design, and he is committed to both the aesthetics and function of your smile. He provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville, He's earned the title of number one dentist in Nashville for cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Dr. Jones treats his patients in a spa-like atmosphere. He's worked with artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years. He's dedicated to providing first-rate results to all his patients. He doesn't compromise quality, so patients can be assured They are getting a high level of care. Visit Jody Jones DDS. You can find him at 55 Music Square East in Nashville. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a current football booster, and we thank him again for making this season of the podcast possible. Leiter sits there and talks about pitching and articulates things better than a major league pitching coach could do it. And... He is that kid is humble. He is intelligent. I do not sense a bit of cockiness with him. And but you said the temperament. There's also that side to him, <laughs> and it's really funny when you see it offset by the personality that you see off the field. But um, did you see the clip against Illinois, Chicago, or whoever it was earlier in the year where he's on the mound, he's ready to go, 
and the batter steps out. And Jack just sits there, doesn't move a muscle, doesn't step off the mound, doesn't look around. He's just like, okay, I'm, I'm right here waiting. I'm not going to move a muscle until you get back. And as soon as the kid steps back in, he, he winds and readies and throws a pitch. And I just thought that was that was so funny. I think that cracked a lot of people up. But I just think that tells you a lot about him. He just does not get thrown off his game. No, he doesn't, man. And like, it's, like, it's like with my dogs. Now, you're going to think I'm crazy. But it's like when I get into a staring contest with my dogs, I don't blink. I don't move. They're going to be the one that look away. I promise you. And if I have to sit there all day long, they're going to know they're, they're going to be the first one to look away, you know? And I guess that's what Jack is saying. You know, you shake me, man. You can go there and, you know, eat a hot fudge Sunday for all I care. I'm locked in. I know where I'm going to put this ball. I know what I'm going to throw you. And I know you're not going to hit it. It's funny, he and Kumar are so different. Kumar would, would, would do that, and he would, uh, you know, <laughs> give you a look coming off the field and yell at the dugout and a pump of the fist. Uh, they're just so different in temperament. But I, I love watching them both. I mean, my goodness. And, again, I, I like them as, as people and, and really going to be rooting for them. But it's funny to watch the difference uh, in, in those two. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know how much you've gotten to watch and I know this is no news. This is an elite I, I team, man. They 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 keep they keep taking blows and just keep on going. Keegan hurt, okay, fine. Colwick hurt, fine, okay. We'll go on. Isaiah Thomas hurt, fine. We'll plug somebody else and we'll just keep winning. Yeah, I watched three games. They were all conference games. I saw a Missouri game, an LSU game, and a South and a South Carolina game. Uh, so here's here's I got something for you. Ready for this? Here's what they're going to do at the major league level. You ready? Let's hear it. Uh, in return, in terms of the draft, here's what they're going to do. The team who's going to have the first pick in the draft, they're going to hack for Jack. You know, and and uh, let's see what are let's uh, and they're, they're going to subpar for Kumar. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. instead of like uh, you know tank for Trevor, they're going right, to hack for right. Jack. <laughs> Oh, that was stupid. Yeah, I think the Pirates have already hacked for Jack. Well, we'll see. There's a lot of baseball to be played. There, well, I mean, the, the draft order's already at set. This, at this point, your brave, your, your Braves may be hacking for Jack at this point. Hey, the Braves just uh, just went up to nothing as we've been doing this, which my son came in here to, to tell me about. Well, they got a game one win. They're, they're about to get their second win of the day. Man, I guess they're cool as long as they don't play the Phillies. Oh, don't start with me. My son, who, who by the way, um, came in during this podcast. I had on mute to, to tell me that Pablo Sandoval had homered and the Braves have gone ahead. He's got it on the TV out there, and I'm, I'm watching in my office. Uh, so he came in to tell me and, and give me a fist pump over that. But um, opening day, they're playing the Phillies, and I'm watching – the LSU game on one screen and and, and kind of watching them on another, but really locking on a Vandy game because that's what I'm covering. And David does not like to lose. This kid just turned seven. He's never been a good loser at any point in his life. And so I didn't really see what happened. And anytime he does not win, it's because somebody else cheats, right? Um, and, and so I'm hearing that the, the Phillies cheated. And I'm hearing we got our babysitter in the next day. And I walk in the kitchen, he's telling the babysitter how the Braves lost because the Phillies cheated. And so I'm watching the next day with him and the game comes on. 
Um, and you know how the, they have the little 10-minute pregame or whatever they do. And they're leading off with the play from the day before. And that game went at extra innings. And I guess the Braves had a runner on third and, and tagged on the fly ball or whatever and tried to score. I don't remember the scenario. But sure enough, they show that the highlight, JT Real Muto is blocking the plate uh, in a textbook plate block. And they don't get the call, and the Phillies win the game. I guess my kid was right. That kid, he's going to do something in baseball, isn't he? Oh, look, and I'm not saying he was faking, but he—he he, well, he has. He's legitimately had a cold for three days, and this morning he just said, "I he, he we could tell he felt lousy, so he got to skip school. Well, fortunately for him, the Braves had a doubleheader, and I don't. I bet he's not missed 20 pitches. You did not say he was faking. No, he's not faking. I mean, I asked him last night. We had baseball practice. We had baseball practice. I said, buddy, you sure you want to go? Yes. I asked him three times. So you could tell he was not feeling good. And then he woke up this morning and he was more sniffly than he was the night before. But anyway. Um, Right, yeah. That kid loves the game. Does he like other sports or is he just all baseball? Oh, he likes them all. But baseball, I think, is his favorite, and the Braves are his favorite team. Out of all the teams he roots for, uh, I think he's decided that's his team. So, Well, you know, look, Chris, I would not worry about that. Hopefully he'll grow out of it. <laughs> I quizzed him last year, and he could name – this is when he was six, and he could name 17 players on the team. So. That is not bad. I, I would venture to say that there's plenty of Braves fans out there that call themselves Braves fans that couldn't do that. Yeah, a lot of years I probably could not. But anyway, that that's our yeah. thing is we watch the Braves together a good bit. Um, <laughs> I think that's got to be negotiated going forward. My my wife doesn't want him in front of the, the TV so much, and I don't judge her for that. But Although in my defense, I, I would will. say I watch the Braves all the time <laughs> as a kid, and look how I turned out, right? I, I mean, look at you. I don't know if that helps my defense or not, but <laughs> that might be what I'd say. What else you got, Pam? Daddy, I got about 15 minutes. Uh, let's go to the mailbag. How about that? Works for me. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshumintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business here. And as this happens, my, my son has come into the office to give me a fist bump. Uh, Sean Newcomb has closed out the Nats. But anyway, Vander Lee says, Hello. I know it's early, but from the practice interviews with Clark Lee, the Zoom interviews, would you break down what you think of him and how you think the staff and players will respond to this way of running things? You know, I, one, it just, I mean, I, you know, it's, look, it's, it's spring football, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, to be over halfway through with spring football right there at it, the energy level seems pretty good to me. Just and un, I mean, now, admittedly, that's going by things like uh, Barton doing his Instagram videos, which I think is fantastic. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but but doing things like that, you know, one thing that keeps coming to mind to me is because I think I agree with him. 
you know, I'm look I'm starting to look and see potential depth and size, a little bit of mobility there in the offensive line to where I'm starting to trust a little, little bit more, you know, and then to hear, you know, uh, Kivo Wesley and, and Julian Hernandez looking good, man, and some of these young freshmen looking pretty good. I mean, we, we got to have depth along that offensive line. We don't have the luxury of not having it. And then, of course, some of the guys coming back and they say not missing a beat, that position to me uh, keeps popping up. You know, I keep, I keep thinking about that, you know, and, and, and because that's clearly going to be one of our biggest issues. Uh, I think that we have a quarterback who is one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC returning. You know, I think we have a couple playmakers there. I think we absolutely, Chris, unless one of these freshman running back comes in, like a kid from New Jersey or something like that with, with with Keon out now being gone now, I mean it is, and, and and I think I read whether you or maybe Sean said something along the lines of that that uh, Raymond Davis has not been cleared yet. I mean they got to have him, Chris. They 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 just absolutely 100% have to have him. I know we got you know I know Javion and, and Rocco, but injuries and a lot of unproven, a lot of unanswered questions there. Uh, they they they've got to have Davis, especially if this offensive line. It, it, it makes a makes a leap, you know, makes a leap forward, man. I know it's a brand new system, but you know, I mean, that would be massive. That's massive one way or the other. As a matter of fact, I I guess you and I could sit here right now and I could say uh, that based upon circumstance, that one of the top two or three things keys to this season for this team is whether or not Raymond Davis is eligible to play football. If not, my man Marlowe is going to get his chance and then some. Yeah, well, you know, hey, look, I mean, that's that's a health thing, right? I mean, if he can stay healthy, I, I think, is, is 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 the issue there. I know you've been enamored with him, and I and and and, and uh, Bruno has much backed up why he's one of those guys that have the hold your breath uh, uh, factor to him, you know, because you know, you know, you know who he could be. You know, because, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is a terrible comparison, but I'm just thinking if he puts it all together just based on some of the athleticism side of things uh, that, 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 that I've heard from you. And this, this would be if it all totally played out, you know, like a, I don't know, maybe like a poor man's Naheem Hines. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't know how he is as a pass catcher, although I guess he's played in the slot a little bit, which should tell you something. Right. You know, so I mean, you know, that's that's all things being great, but uh, I mean, they they really need Davis to be eligible here. It's not, you know, Brooks not not being on this roster really sucks because I think that was going to take a lot of pressure off that off the passing game. So we'll see. All right, next one, Bobby Two Times. Shout out to Bobby Two Times. He's a good dude, by the way. What yeah, is a successful everything twice. Everything twice. <laughs> uh, what's a successful first year for Clark Lee look like? Wins, recruiting class rank, et cetera. If a bowl game is in play, which game and who's the opponent? National championship game excluded. Uh, you know, I, I, I like that this staff has basically said we're not chasing rankings. We're chasing what fits for us. I think it's the right move. I know it is. I, I know that it is. They have an idea of what they're looking for. And if you say, I mean, my God, Chris, if you if you have an idea collectively what you're looking for and you know what that looks like and you see it, what are you supposed to do? Man, you know, 
we really think this guy fits exactly what we have planned for this program, but he's only got offers from Utah State and Sam Houston State and, you know, and, and, and Tulane and North Texas. So I guess we ought to not offer him. You know, hey, if, if you – I have – and I've always said that, Chris, and I will certainly give to these guys. If you think – that a guy fits your program, like this case with in case with Drew Dickey, the quarterback commit. I know he's only got one Power Five uh, offer, but I, I, you know, I tell you what, it's like we talked about. You know, scouting players is much more difficult uh, than it than it has been in the past, and it's going to be a little bit harder to evaluate. But if you've had the opportunity, you've built up a relationship with them over the last few months uh, to look and see what you get to know him and see what you think that he can do. Why would you not? Why would you worry about what rivals has him ranked? I have, I've never had this thought until now. Maybe it's not an advantage at all. This is just me thinking out loud. Okay. I okay. do wonder if having Barton Simmons on that staff is more of an advantage at this particular time than it would be in another year. And here's what I mean by that. You just said something about not being able to evaluate players and getting out and do that or something of those of that sort, correct? To that yeah. yeah. Well, who has been out evaluating freshmen and sophomores and juniors for the last three years more than Barton Simmons? Nobody. Because he didn't have coaching responsibilities or things to be, places to be for game days or staff meetings or stuff like that. I'm generally not a believer, and I agree with everything you said. Your, your staff has got to make an evaluation and trust its judgment. Now, look, if the whole signing class is kids who didn't have other Power 5 offers, I think at that point it's fair to ask some pointed questions, but we don't know at this point, right. and it is different and that's very unlikely, by the way, and you, we both know it. That. It that's is, and, and maybe the offers come later for these kids this year. Maybe the same kid that they sign and has two offers or get a commitment from, he's got 10 in a normal year. I don't know what the answer is. I'm speculating. The rules are the same for everybody. But I do wonder, and it had not occurred to me just now, but would you get more of a boost from hiring a Barton Simmons right now just because of the nature of the last 13 months in America than you would at any other time. And I, I do wonder, I don't think we could ever answer that question, but it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Yeah, and you know, look, I had my buddy, my good buddy Murphy Fair in the studio with me on, what day of the week is this? Is this Wednesday? This is Wednesday. And was, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Monday. And, and, and Murph was in there, we were talking, I asked him, you know, what, what he thought, you know, uh, about Barton's hire. And he, he loved it. He he absolutely loved it, and he thinks that with Clark and Barton and their Nashville connections in the Middle Tennessee area, you know, because look, frankly, look, the Nashville area produces it produces very good players, you know. And one thing they should be able to do is is to, is to to go in, especially in the private schools, but not exclusively, but especially there, is to be able to go in and have some success. And right now in the six one five, and not just in the publics, but I mean, there's I mean, privates there's really there's a lot of talent there, you know. And and you know, any come out and say it as much, but I think we all know it's that, that Langston Patterson would not be part of this recruiting class if. Clark Lee, we're not the head coach right now. That's no, not a maybe. No. That's a certainty. 
that's a guaranteed certainty, you know, and it was a great start. It's a great way uh, to, uh, he's a cornerstone type of guy because the dude had offers from you name it. And he chose to be the anchor pun intended of the first class of Clark Lee. I don't think that's by accident. And I think there's fruit to be bared from it. We'll see, you know, now ultimately at the end of the day, you got to win football games. You know, we can talk about this and all that, and you've got to win football games or not a whole ton's going to change. Uh, and that's just the way that it is. But it just seems like they're really trying to build an identity and a brand, and they're going to, and that's who they're going to live. And they're, you're going to have to adjust to them, not the other way around, you know. And I, hey, I, I'm all in. I'm I'm all in and until they give me a reason not to be. I, I I just and you know me. I'm not overly negative by nature anyway. But in this case, I mean this this is not about hope. Of course I hope. But I mean I like what I'm seeing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like I don't. Yeah, I think for expectations, I think if you win four games, you should be happy. I think if you win anything over four, you should yeah. be ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I think that's right. Uh, it's, you know, now that's, you know, I mean, I, I know we'd like to say, hey, you know, what about six, seven, what about a bowl game? And and I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility. I'm not going to do that. I mean, you know, I mean, I think they're going to have to do something like beat Stanford, you know, which maybe early on in the season, we finally be breaking in a new quarterback, some receivers. So, and they hadn't been all that special anyway lately. Uh, you know, screw around, win some of these games you're not supposed to win in conference. You never know, man. I mean, I'll just say this. Three or less, and I'll be disappointed. Four or five, and I'll, and I'll be right about what I expected. Six and, and up, and I will be over the moon. I had not thought of this till now. The schedule has kind of got some baby steps built in for confidence the way yeah. James's did. You remember how nobody thought they were going to be any good, but they got one against UConn early. They started getting a little better, and they beat Army or somebody. I don't remember now, but they they got chances to build confidence, and they did. And then by the end of the year, you know they're they're going to Knoxville as a as a pick'em, and they're almost beating Arkansas, and all those things that we thought would just would have been you'd been laughed out of the room if you'd said that before the season. Look, they could leave Fort Collins on September the eleventh, two and zero. Wouldn't surprise me at all because they'll they'll beat ETSU in game one. <laughs> I mean, even that just dreadful team of yeah. 2019 wiped the wiped the turf with those guys. They're winning that yet. Yeah, Stanford, I, I don't know enough about the Cardinal yet. I, I think that's a lot to bite off. Georgia, they'll get clobbered. Uh, but then you got UConn. So you could leave that UConn game October 2nd, 3-2. and two. No, you're going to get clocked at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium the next week. And we know about South Carolina the next week. But then you got Mississippi State. Uh, they played toe-to-toe with them last year. I don't know how that looks in year two of Mike Leach, but, I mean, look, you've you've got some some built-in opportunity here, and with a little confidence, you just never know. I mean, maybe they – I think they could pick off Tennessee at season's end just because of how bad that program has imploded. Um, I, I don't know what the line would be. Tennessee would be favored, and I would, I would pick Tennessee, but um, that's just become such a a weird situation up there. My expectations aren't high. Again, I'll stick by if you get four, be happy, and anything over that, uh, be thrilled. But um, th- that's the way I see it. Yeah, and, you know, and hey, look, look, the SEC is, 
mean, in, in the East, I mean, they've, you know, look, Florida, you know, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, all gone. You know, the, the, that's all their playmakers. Now they're Florida, so they should have something behind them. But, yeah, I mean, I look, I, I don't know. There's so many unanswered questions, but there seems to be a plan in place. Uh, I'm just – I'm not going to – Unless they come out there and look completely inept and physically overmatched, man, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the season. I think yeah. that's the way they people should approach it. They get out there and they lose the ETSU, then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Cortez James says, if you could pick the starting lineup for this year's defense, who would you choose? It's a four-two-five, I believe. Lord, Chris. <laughs> For one, I probably have to have a roster in front of me at this point. How about we table uh, that question? Because I know you don't have a lot of time left today. Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably do it, but I'm going to need a little bit of time. Why don't you give that some thought and come back with an answer next week? Okay. R. Seals 40 says the momentum behind Vanderbilt Athletics seems to be historic and inclusive of alums, donors, and supporters. How will this positive movement affect expectations for the upcoming season? What will it take for the football program to continue the momentum and what could possibly derail the progress? Uh, first of all, shout out to my man, R. Seals. Uh, what could possibly derail the... Uh, ETSU, a loss would certainly go a long way to doing that. Uh, yeah, that, that but, won't uh, happen, but yes. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, it, 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 it won't. Derail it? I mean, I don't know. That's a great question because, I mean, look, they've already publicly committed $300 million, and they hired a brand-new staff, and they, you know, they brought in new positions and all this other stuff, or you know, people like Barton Simmons. So, I, I mean, I just don't really know what they could do unless they you know, made, held a press conference tomorrow and said we've decided to scrap the football program. You can do a lot of things right at Vanderbilt and still not win. So this may be a great staff, a great hire. They may do a lot of good things, and, and in the end, they may have modest success. I think that's a possibility. Uh, I do think Clark will win at some point, but we'll see. But I think the simple answer to that is just hope the chancellor doesn't get hit by a bus because I think as long as he's wow. here, there's the will that's going to be here. And I really, I really think it's that simple. He is the engine that has driven all of this. Without him, I don't think any of it happens. And if something were to happen to him, I don't know what would happen next. So we may have to put him in a bubble. I think they, <laughs> they definitely need to put him in a bubble. May have to put him in a bubble. You know, as far as the success, I mean, I, you know, this year, like I said, our seals. I'm 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 gonna let 2021 play it out, play out and be its thing, you know. And and, and am I gonna rush to judgment on things? No, heck no, heck no, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm going in. I I told you what my expectations were, and I'm just gonna go in and enjoy this season. And what I'm gonna do is, especially the one thing I'm gonna do the most is look at players who were here last year, you know, that were part of, you know, the the, the prior regime. And if I'm making a lot of noise, I'm getting into my car, so forgive me. So what I want to see is how have these guys developed as players, first and foremost, 
under this new under this new under this new coaching. You know, do they hustle more? Do, what's their attitude like? You know, uh, you know, little things like that. You know, the, yes, the progression is football players. You know, and, and how well they do, and how they success. But uh, you know, do, how do they look physically? Are, is, are they stronger at the point of attack? Are they still getting pushed around? You know, do they? You know, what is their attitude like? Do they have? Do they play the game with the swagger? You know, do they play more intelligently? Just all those things that you that you have to evaluate, and that it that it takes a long time to do. They can't be done in a week or two, or even in spring football. Those are the kind of things that I'm going to look at. To me, and that's the fun of this. You know, look. I mean, like I said, even in times of despair like this, when you have a coaching change because of lack of success and all these other things, there's a, there's a lot of good to be found in these things, like a coaching search, and to see what happens. And look, I, I think that everybody would agree. I mean, please, if if you don't, you're more than welcome. This is the place to sound off about it. But from a program standpoint, as far as support from the university, the coaching staff itself, guys, I mean, is there any chance we haven't done anything but upgrade, which is truly all we can ask here at the very beginning. Now, the results are going to be what they're going to be, and we'll find that out together. But I don't really know what more we could ask for. At least at this point. Yeah, it would be hard to think of a better script for the last four months for football than what we have seen happen. I mean, I don't know how you can realistically draw it up. It's Lee right now, and I know him better than all y'all. And I'm telling you right now, I can hear it. I can truly hear it. He ain't going to be out there. Ah! But I can hear in his voice actual optimism about the Vanderbilt football program. And I haven't heard that in Chris Lee's voice in a long time. I mean, and he doesn't throw that about freely, you know. So if, if, if I actually hear it, and I know that I hear it. I'm not wrong. I know that I hear it. And I didn't think that that was, you know, not so long ago. I, I just I thought, man, I would hate to have Chris Lee's job. You know, as much as all of us would like to have it, I'd hate to have his job, you know, and not feel – and not be able – to feel anything about that thing that I'm covering because they put so little into it. And I feel like, you know, at least surfacely, those things, those days are over. Uh, Sally and Smyrna asks, is it true Seabass is as sexy in person as he sounds on the podcast? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I forgot about that. Uh, I forgot (laughs) Uh, about that. Sally and Smyrna. Yeah. I heard Sally with uh, that girl. Uh, How can we forget about Sally and Smyrna? Jay, you can't do it, man. All right. Uh, well, that's a wrap for me. I don't know what else y'all got, but I'm out. No, uh, tell people where they can find your show and where they can find you online. I think I can find a little, carve out a little time for that. You can find me at Cheap Seats Bass on Twitter, at Cheap Seats Bass, and you can find me on 101.5 in Jackson, Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 p.m., young man. Be good, my friend. Yeah, you be good, too. All right. He's Seabass from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll have a baseball podcast coming probably Thursday afternoon with Chip Fredericks, so be sure and listen for that.